online, on digital, and on FM, in Bournemouth and beyond, Buzz Radio. Hello and welcome to Buzzcast. You're here with Danny Uyinka and Louisa Moth. Today, breaking point, are we killing our planet? This afternoon, we'll be discussing the human impact on our environment. We'll speak to Chris Main about plastic's effect on the environment and Sue Chapman about the mish and feet, mish, the meat and fish industry. I'm really sorry. And later, we'll be speaking to Kelly Laveau about fashion's impact on our planet. We welcome you to. We welcome your input and hope you get in touch via our Twitter at buzz underscore bmth. Or you can go to our Instagram at buzz Bournemouth. Here's our reporter, Beth Dean, to explain the current threats on our environment. Our Earth is at breaking point. Our ocean life is suffering, with experts at the World Economic Forum predicting there'll be more plastic than fish in the ocean by 2050. In the news this week, it was revealed that if we don't stop the progression of climate change within the next 12 years, it will increase the risk of natural disasters, sending hundreds of millions of people into poverty. Humans are destroying the planet they live on at a rate faster than environmentalists can even begin to tackle. Our expanding population and convenience culture is impacting our ecosystem in increasingly irreparable ways. Many organisations are looking into ways to operate more sustainably, both on a local and a global scale. Thanks for that, Beth. Um, So today we're discussing three of the main contributors to our polluted world. Our plastic consumption, the meat and fish industry and the fashion industry and what we as Dorset residents can do to make a change. Joining us throughout the Buzzcast will be coordinator of Dorset East Friends of the Earth, Angela Pooley. Welcome, Angela. Hi, hello, and thank you for this opportunity to talk to you. Uh, Yeah, and can you tell us more about the work you do with Friends of the Earth? I'm the coordinator of East Dorset Friends of the Earth, and we campaign on local and global issues. And we have the philosophy of challenging when necessary, but working with people when we do. And the big campaigns locally, as you've already said, is is, is reducing plastic pollution, and uh, climate change, obviously, is another one. And so we, we get out there to show people what a difference they can make in simple measures that they can do to make a difference because without that people do get despondent and think well I can't make a difference but every single one of us can yeah that's great that's a great message to put put out there Um, um, so Angela um, with your um, uh, Dorset East Friends of the Earth um, Is there any other organisations around Dorset that anyone can go to if they can't come in contact with you? There's there's lots of... Uh, environmental organisations locally there's a local Greenpeace group there's Transition Towns which are working across Bournemouth and Poole to, for a more sustainable uh, live lifestyles there's, there's all sorts and there's, there's other environment groups they're just yeah there's a lot of us out there So you tackle plastic in the oceans is that right? That is one of the, of the national campaigns and global campaigns, yes, and we do, we do quite a bit locally as well. So what are the type of things you do to combat that? Well, recently we've carried out a survey of supermarkets to tr- try and, and look at the amount of unnecessary plastics they're producing. And we've found things like bananas wrapped in plastic bags. Why? We don't need that. And so what we're doing now, we're at the stage where we've analysed all the data we've got and we're going to take this back to the supermarkets and say, come on, look, you've got to stop 
producing wasteful plastics. This has got a financial implication as well as, most importantly, an environmental implication. So with that aspect, um, is it more expensive to put plastic onto food or is it cheaper to do it that way? Is that why they do it? Do you have any idea? Their argument is is that in some cases it protects it a little bit. But um, like with bananas, I, I don't get that. Um, but also uh, we need it, it, the impact, the environmental impact far outweighs the financial impact. And, and so we need to look at it and stop it. So what can the public do to help um, your campaign? Right, the first thing is is when you do go shopping, have a look at what's in plastics. Is this necessary? Buy loose fruit and veg whenever you can. And also, if you do get plastics, make sure it's recycled responsibly and not just thrown away. Uh, we're lucky in that there are um, good inv- uh, recycling systems in the indoor set. It could be better, but they are, they're doing what they can. And so it's really important to, to use the recycling bins to do that sensibly but the important thing is to reduce the amount of plastics that we're producing. So leading on from this topic plastic is the most widely recycled material but only five percent of the plastic we actually use is recycled. That's right Louisa and joining us on the phone to talk about to talk more about this is Bournemouth Enviro and Economy panelist Chris Main. Hello there. Hello, Chris. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. That's all right. Um, So do you feel there are any impacts plastic can have on our environment? The impact? Well, it can have an immense impact, especially over uh, a number of years. And uh, Bournemouth is no exception, especially being a uh, coastal resort. And it can have a very detrimental um, impact, certainly on the town, which, which is why Bournemouth is, you know, probably... Uh, leading the way as much as any uh, other town uh, in the country on this. Yeah. And do you feel that the council should be doing more to reduce the amount of plastic used in Bournemouth? Doing more? Um, I, I, well, as I say, I, I think we're doing our fair share, to be quite honest. Yeah. Because uh, um, uh, earlier this year, one of, one of my uh, colleagues, uh, Councillor Mike Green, uh, put a, a motion through to uh, council, uh, yeah. which whereby he says that, you know, plastic pollution is a global issue, which we all realise that, yeah. and is firmly on the national agenda. Uh, and we all have a role to play in, in tackling this problem yeah. and uh, making every effort to reduce the amount of plastic waste. Uh, the council is, is showing clearly that it is prepared to take a lead. Yeah. And um, with roles being played in reducing the amount of plastic use, um, do you feel there's an importance of Bournemouth being a green economy leader? Well, again, Bournemouth, I would say, is well on the way to becoming that. Yes, uh, we have ready. Bournemouth's climate change strategy, twenty sixteen twenty twenty, which uh, yeah. outlines a, a, a lot of what is being achieved. Bournemouth's carbon reduction activities currently placed in the top twenty five yeah. of the nearest neighbour authorities, and it's uh, certainly doing all it can to uh, uh, r- reduce uh, plastics. But as I say, it is a worldwide problem. Bournemouth is doing its bit. And it's for the rest of the world to uh, do just as well as Bournemouth is. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Okay, not at all. Thank you. One pressing issue is plastic pollution, as we've said before. Um, 
As a coastal county, we affect marine life by dumping plastic onto our beaches and discarded rubbish more than likely ends up in the sea because we live so close to it. The Dorset Devils are volunteers fighting the problem. Buzz reporter Jake is joined by Sue Coates Live. Hello, Jake. Hi, Jake. Hi, Danny. Yes, I'm here with Sue Coates, member of the Dorset Devils, a voluntary organisation. So, Sue, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your organisation does? Okay, Dorset Devils is a local volunteer litter picking group uh, made up of over 370 local residents who love where they live and like to keep their streets, the parks, gardens and our lovely beaches clean as possible and free of plastic, of course. Okay, and can you tell us what the impact of plastic pollution is on our beaches? On the beaches, the plastic pollution problem in Bournemouth varies. In the summer months, when we've got lots of visitors and tourists, it is a really big problem. Um, and of course, the plastic being on the beach is a potential for it to go into the sea. Um, in more in the winter, we see the microplastics, the smaller bits of plastic that are, are lying on the beach, which we like to keep clear. Yeah. And um, what, what, what can people do if they want to get involved in your organisation? Yeah, um, you can go to our website, which is dorsetdevils.org. <coughs> We've also got a Facebook page. We're on Twitter. So if there's anybody that's interested in joining in with us, then go to the, uh, the website and you can follow the links to join up from there. Okay, and final question. Uh, does your organisation have any plans for the future, any big projects or anything? Uh, we don't have big projects at the moment. We tend to more join in with other groups like Surface Against Sewage, uh, Bournemouth University Student Union, um, and we also like to go out to local schools and talk to uh, children, scout groups and people like that. Okay, fantastic. Thank you very much. Back to you in the studio. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Jake. So leading on to, um, from that, so did you remember like last summer, it was a trending like thing on social media. A lot of rubbish was, wasn't being put in bins. Like people just weren't putting it in the bins provided. And there was this thing on Facebook and it was a picture, I think. And it was just of the litter left behind on Bournemouth Beach after. I mean... Honestly, we've heard what a wonderful job people like Dorset Devils are doing, and they're amazing, and we should be thanking But they shouldn't be necessary. We yeah. all have yeah. to take more responsibility, because what we have to remember is the plastic goes in the sea, it goes in the fish, and then people eat that fish. And so it's going to have, down the line, it's going to have that negative effect. Mm -hmm. So every one of us need to look at the amount of plastics that we use on a day-to-day -day basis. I think the thing that shocked me the most was the nappies, actually. People were changing their babies yeah. and then leaving the dirty nappies on the beach. Like, yeah. that's human waste. Like, we should not be consuming that. They shouldn't be using nappies. They should be using reusable nappies that you can yeah. wash in the same way as, as there. It's not necessary to use disposable nappies. Yeah. I can understand if you've got a big family the, the, and, and it's convenient. Yeah. But if you're going to do that, please be responsible. We have Barney Hater here, who last year works on the Bali Reef Conservation. They organise island cleanups with local children and then utilise the plastic they collect, finding innovative ways to reuse and recycle the material. Hello, Barney. Hi there, how you doing? Yeah, we're good in the studio. And um, what impact do you see that the plastic waste is having on marine life? Well, it's, it's pretty evident as soon as you get there, really. Yeah. I mean, there's, I was 
when you look at beaches in the UK and you see like a little bit of rubbish and stuff like that, you think it's pretty awful. But yeah. in comparison to somewhere like the area that NBRC are working, it's it's pretty mild to yeah. to put it like slightly. Even when when you're swimming, you just kind of see like crisp wrappers. Everything you can imagine is floating by you. Yeah, it's just it's just a bit. It's kind of part of the culture there, really. Like it's not that they haven't really been. Yeah. It's environmentally conscious. It's yeah. Maybe we've been in the West, so it's yeah. pretty evident wherever you go. Yeah. And what alternatives do you suggest people to use instead of plastic? Well, I mean, the, there's the obvious stuff from, like, reusable bags, reusable coffee cups and all that stuff. So, yeah. And, like, using, you know, like, bamboo, bamboo toothbrushes and just more sustainable, like, clothing materials and things like that. It, it's, it's not necessarily about... I don't think it's always about like making a big impact and going out clean beaches. Like reducing waste is just kind of the key to it all. I think. Yeah. And eight million pieces of plastic are thought to be going through the oceans every day. How are you dealing with the plastic you find? So at NBRC, they go on weekly um, beach cleans. So it's about three hundred kids, and they go out and they just pick up any plastic, anything they find, any cardboard or anything is all put in like separate bags. And they yeah. have built these huge bamboo kind of dumpster things that they put all of the waste in. Um, and they're currently in the process of getting a um, like a kind of plastic molding machine. So yeah. you put particular types of plastic into it, and it molds it into bricks, which you can build separate oh, housing yeah. in. You can use it for kind of fixing the roads. You yeah. can use it just for like general infrastructure, and that's kind of the main thing. Right, thank you very much, Barney. No problem at all. Um, what Barney said about the bamboo toothbrushes. So my um flatmate actually ordered some bamboo toothbrushes, oh, right. and really ironically, they were actually in plastic wrapping. <laughs> Is it? And oh, then she no. ordered some fruit bags as well to put um her fruit in to keep it yeah. fresher, I believe. And they were also yeah, in plastic yeah, wrapping, crazy. and it was just pointless. Like you're trying to combat the plastic problem, but and then plastic, yeah, defeats everything the is just wrapped in plastic. Yeah. So moving on from plastic, we're now going on to meat and fish. Fish aren't the only animals suffering from our bad habits. Animal agriculture is a leading cause of climate change, with more and more people choosing to become vegan. So, can you just um, go over what veganism actually means? Veganism, to me, is like the choice of staying strictly on vegetables, um, not consuming any animal on yeah. Any animal products, yeah. Any animal yeah. products, yeah. Um, so, hi, this is Sue Chapman, um, the ex-Green Party member. She's on the phone to talk to us. Hi, Sue. Oh, hello, I'm not an ex-green, I'm still a green. Oh, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I've just got a few questions to ask you about um, the impact that veganism has on the environment. So, what is that impact? Well, we know about climate change and how important it is to act on it very speedily, and we really need to take control of what we're doing, really, uh, eating too much meat and too much dairy, and we've got to, you know, down down it and... Um, uh, think about the emissions and uh, the amount of food being consumed by animals rather than people. So mm-hmm. um, we could we could just eat less meat or less cheese, dairy. Um, but um, it's, it's very important, really, to start really taking it seriously. It's a shame that Claire Perry has not, unfortunately, chosen to lead on this. Um, 
when confronted with the the need to sort of show a bit of Dunkirk leadership, I'm afraid she's failed. Yeah. I'm just saying that it's not really her bag, but we think it is. We think she should be setting a very good example. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, as like Yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. Not everybody wants to go vegan or vegetarian. And so what also needs to be happening is that we farm less intensively and move to organic farming, uh, so which is far less intensive mm-hmm. and far more natural. And we need to be looking at that as well as reducing the amount we eat. So, Sue, you made a comment about the government. Um, what do oh. you think that they can do to help tackle the climate change in Dorset? Um, well, for a start, they could help with our um, clean energy provision yeah. and um, perhaps bring Navitas back, you know, that the kids wanted and the Isle of Wight certainly wanted. Yeah. Uh, 790,000 um, clean energy homes, enough energy for clean for that n- number of homes. Um, and they could start talking seriously instead of just doing a bit of greenwash, to be frank. You know, we, we've got to start taking this seriously. We can see what's happening and people are dying now. You know, yeah. we're worried about our harvests and our future. And it's very, very serious. And the message isn't, be- isn't beefy enough, just to use an unfortunate analogy. Um, we, we really need to ramp up the game. And I mean, there's a lot of talk about it, but not a lot of action really happening. Not enough quickly enough. It's speed and scale. We've got to think about warp speed and um, uh, get our politicians on board because, you know, this is very, very serious. We, we're going to need, in, in the years to come, to provide enormous amounts of energy, clean energy for ourselves, as well as food and shelter, harvests, everything, really. I mean, we're, things are collapsing. I've been talking about Brexit, but what about Plexit? You know, there's harvests failing all over the world. India, Syria, part of that um, problem was that people... Uh, lost their livestock in droughts and had to move to the cities, putting more infra- you know infrastructure pressure on the cities. So it, there's a lot of complicated issues here. Yeah. So um, I'm really sorry about getting it wrong that you are actually <laughs> a member of the Green Party. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So is there it's anything cross party that as well? You... It's cross party. I mean, I go to yes. Cavens, I talk to Lib Dems. I mean, we just got and Tories. I mean, some some are very sympathetic. It is cross party issue. So is there anything like specifically that you do um, to help reduce the impact yep. on the environment? We've got a solarised house for a start, 33 solar panels, air source heat pump, water salvaging. Um, I have a tricycle, my kids have Teslas, got the plug-in point, got the um, Tesla power wall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Elon Musk is, is seriously ramping up the game, giving us the power packs, um, the sustainable energy, 100 gigafactories. Um, could shift the whole world to sustainable energy and transport, which is good news. The third one, uh, Shanghai, is um, getting getting going with this, uh, the uh, third gigafactory. It's good news, batterizing. He's already saving lives in Puerto Rico, um, feeding people. Um, it was hurricane battered, as you probably know, 62 projects he's got going. So, he, you know, I know he gets some bad press, but to be honest, he's, he's really paying attention to the carbon crisis, you know, he calls it the turd in the punch bowl, and that message isn't getting through the media, mm-hmm. and, um, we're banging our head against, um, or some of us got complaints with Ofcom, because we think there's a lot of activity, a lot of incentivization, people getting fitter, going on, you know, obviously public transport, walking, uh, cycling, and none of our society is really geared for it yet, we need to transform everything and um you know care about each other a bit more and, and worry a bit more about the future and talk to people it's this is about talking to everybody involving everyone really yeah thank you so much for your oh, input okay. thank you very much Sue.
Thank you. Bye. Thanks. And an anonymous local farmer had this to say on the rise of veganism and its effect on livelihood of those who work in the meat industry. Organic is not the way forward. We've got a growing population. And if people want cheap food, in some respects, you've got to let us as farmers produce it as cheaply as possible. And that may be not having so much low input systems. It's got to be high input systems. Well, like all these lobby groups, um, they all have an effect. Um, everybody has their view. Uh, we're a free society. We should be able to do what we like to some extent. Uh, we shouldn't be governed by a very small, very nasty part of the population. It's probably only probably a percent of the population that are actually vegan um, or actually protesting about it. And they need to really look at themselves Um they're pretty nasty people. They live in a town. They have very little understanding. They're almost just jumping on a bandwagon because they have nothing else to do. Joining us in the studio is vegan activist Amanda Hennings. First of all, Amanda, hello. Uh, what hello. do you think about that? Um, I think it's quite an overgeneralization to say that, um, that v- vegans are nasty people yeah. because the whole notion of veganism is wanting to be more compassionate to, yeah. towards humans as well as animals. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, we just want to make a change in the world. We just want to uh, a better future for our children and grandchildren. We want to leave the world in a better place that we found it. And yeah. I don't think that's nasty at all. Yeah. So have you been brought up as a vegan? No, I went vegan about three years ago. Uh, I was vegetarian before, but I had eaten meat for 19 years of my life. Um, and was it like a lifestyle choice? Was it, was it a health choice to go vegan? Um, at first it was... Uh, it was purely dietary but then I watched some documentaries on how animals are raised and the process that um, animals have to go through before they reach our plates and I couldn't contribute to it anymore yes okay thank you thank you Even the clothes on our back contribute to the harm we cause to our planet. According to Vice, the textile industry emits more greenhouse gases than international shipping and aviation combined I actually find it really hard to recycle clothes and I didn't realise that it was cheaper to produce brand new clothes rather than recycle old ones because of the fabrics that our clothes are made of. The average person buys 60% more items of clothing a year and keeps them for half as long as they did 15 years ago. Amanda, do you have anything to say on that? I mean, I've only just recently found out about this. Um, I watched um, I watched the documentary... Um, Stacey Dooley's invest- investigate. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I hate that I still contribute to you know fast fashion and, um, I just I didn't realize with the cotton farming as well. Yeah, yeah um, it's that bad. Yeah, yeah, and you know the pressure the high street puts on you to just constantly buy clothes. Um, mostly I I uh, go to vintage shops and mm. secondhand. I think that's the best we could do at the moment until we find uh, more sustainable alternatives like hemp clothing. I think, like, as a girl perspective as well, I find there's a lot of pressure around clothes. And I think, um, from my point of view, if you go out in the same outfit on a night out twice, like, you're going to get a bit judged. And I think it's really hard to go through ways of recycling fashion. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about it, Danny? Um, I feel from my perspective, I feel like men find it much harder to keep the same item of clothing and don't feel like that, that, there's, that it's very important to 
try and think about sustaining what you wear and not going out and wasting money and contributing to the fact that cotton is one of the main polluters of our planet. So we spoke to Kelly Level, founder of We Do Ethical Fashion. She spoke to us about, well, she is going to speak to us about what the fashion industry can do to help the environment and how consumer shopping habits can impact big brands. I think there needs to be more transparency and I think they need to develop um, through procurement supply chains and maybe implement a system where they can monitor it better. I know that audits take place, but I think, you know, they do a little bit of help, but I think it can be further developed into a different system, more transparent. I'm doing here. Yeah, certain companies of certain sizes need to adhere to legislation that government has put in place. So I think that, I mean, what we do is we raise awareness to consumers to try and make that a KPI. So the consumers buy more eco-friendly products, and that will be a key performance indication for the businesses. So then they'll supply more of that product. And the consumers have only recently become more aware of the implications of buying fast fashion. I think for a number of years, people have been buying blind. I mean, a good way to start is to look into your own wardrobe, see what, see what items you have, and then see what items you might need to go with those clothes. So you're not sort of buying on impulse, you're buying things that you actually need. We also asked the people of Bournemouth how they felt about fashion being the most second polluting industry in the world. I did not know that. And how do I feel? Ooh, that's kind of disgusting, I think. Actually, it's really bad. Uh, that's quite surprising, seeing as there's other things that could be on top of that. But yeah, I can't believe that like transport and stuff like that could be below that. I didn't really know that the fashion industry is so polluting. They really need to do something about it. Um, I thought it was just about clothes and things. Well, I didn't know that until you told me, but I think we should change it. People and how their clothes. Fashion and textile students believe more needs to be done to educate people on how their clothes are made and where they come from. Shannon Donnelly, a current student, has more to say. We have her on the phone now. Hi, Shannon. Hi. Hi, oh, yeah, I've just got a few questions to ask you. Um, how can the fashion industry change to become more sustainable, in your opinion? I think one of the keys is education is definitely a focal point. I think they have a responsibility to educate both themselves, so people mm-hmm. who work within fashion and are planning to work within fashion, and also as consumers. I think... Um, to be transparent in their process also because I don't think as a society and as consumers we realise how much um, manufacturing takes with water and energy and electricity and the actual impact with the dyes we use and the effects that it has Um, and we just draw towards like easy and cheap and accessible when actually we don't realise the effect it has on the environment. So you are a fashion and textile student and as the yeah. future of fashion, what do you, what can you do to ensure that the industry doesn't harm the environment as much? I think personally, my specialism is in printed textiles. Yes. So we work with a lot of chemicals, a lot of things actually awful for the environment. So I think personally, we have a responsibility to make sure 
they dispose of the ones that are really dangerous properly and then also look at other ways to um, to invest and spend our money wisely and the cottons and the things that we like. Because cotton takes some really around to make, you know, which is about where people need to be aware as students um, and as we go into the industry because I graduate this year um, in future okay. what we can use Alright, thank you very much Shannon So we have Angela and Amanda still in the studio with us Is there anything you wanted to add from today? I'd just like to say that You can get depressed about all these things, but it's important to try and stay positive Mm -hmm. and remember that every single one of us can make a simple difference in our lives. And we've just been talking about fashion. And that's, I think you need one thing with that, just to change the culture of knowing that you've got to have the latest fashion. We don't need that. It's about who you are rather than what you look like. And it's getting a change to people's perception of the world and we knowing that we can all make a difference i think that in the age of information that ignorance is a choice and we all have a responsibility to do better yeah. we're we all share the earth together animals humans plants so we have a yeah. responsibility to take care of each other because we don't know what's going to happen in the future if we don't definitely so i think just to summarize quickly um we've gone through uh how people can do less to pollute the land um, with plastic. We have gone through uh, the sea, meat and farming, and we've also gone through fashion. And I'd like to thank you for listening. I feel like it's about being conscious in yourself, knowing what you're going to do, knowing how much you're spending and knowing the damage that you're doing to the planet, really. Thank you to all our guests and listeners for tuning in. You've been with Daniel Yinka and Louisa Moth.